Columbus Day to you and yours. Whatever the heck that means. Do we still have that clip from The Sopranos we used to play on Columbus Day, Michael? I will look for it. It's a cherished Armstrong and Getty favorite. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> it's disrespectful to Italian-Americans, um, Christopher Columbus, and seafaring men wherever you find them. So later this hour, we will talk with Mike Lyons, who is a military uh, expert. And we'll talk about uh, he was he, he thought the president was making the right move a couple of weeks ago. We'll see if he still feels the same way. The media and of the politicians of all stripes are all decrying it as a disaster. Pretty much universally. So we'll see where uh, Mike Lyons is. And, you know, wherever he is doesn't mean he's right. But uh, I'll be interested to hear if he uh, stands his ground on this, if he still thinks it was a good idea. The mainstream media's utter glee in reporting anything that's anti-Trump is such, it's so prejudicial in taking in the news. The one thing I have found persuasive is all the special forces guys who say they're just heartbroken that because yeah. they knew the Kurds, they fought with the Kurds. Okay, I would quibble. The Kurds with, were friends of mine. I would quibble with all. No Kurd. I would quibble with all the special forces guys. So we had, and I don't know how many you heard, but I know we had a guy on Friday morning that a lot of the media went with, and Marshall played a clip. Well, later that day, I saw a different special forces guy on 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 Tucker Carlson's show saying, no, it's, it was, it's ridiculous that we're there. I don't want any of my, my friends dying for this. And I thought, it's exactly like when the people start quoting generals. Right. There's so many damn generals out there. You find one that agrees with you, and you put them on the air. Sure. So what do most special forces guys think? I don't know. But uh, the media is loving finding any to put on the air that will say that this is a horror. Maybe most of them do feel that way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's not universal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh we uh, we talked last week about this uh, Fox News poll that showed that uh, most Americans favor the impeachment of Donald Trump 51 to 40 removal Rem- impeachment, right, impeachment and, and removal, removal at 51% yes, indeed uh it was conducted by uh, Braun Research and some other outfit and the New York Post had a piece i guess it came out it doesn't matter over the weekend Noting that 48% of the respondents were Democrats in the poll, and so it was way heavily weighted um, toward Democrats. The actual breakdown of party affiliation in the country is 31 Democrat, 29 Republican, 38 Independent, according to Gallup. A poll weighted for party affiliation, and I assumed it was weighted. But anyway, uh, it would have concluded that 44.9% favored impeachment and 44.4% opposed it. A post-analysis has concluded. Um, so, yeah, yeah, okay, so it's not 41-40, it's tied at roughly 45%. Well, Fox has pushed back on that because they're a serious polling organization and they don't like being uh, called out by the president and others as being crappy. Mm-hmm. And they said, this is the exactly the same methodology we always use. This is the same methodology we used on this poll. And they pointed back to a poll that was favorable to the president and everybody loved. We did it exactly the same way as we did that one. Mm-hmm. This is the way we do it, Yeah, uh, whether that's right or not. Uh, all I know is I remember Karl Rove making this argument all through the 2000. 12 election, uh, when he would constantly have polls on Fox saying, they're not adjusting for the waiting. Mitt Romney actually leads Barack Obama, and you're all going to be surprised when they wake up, and then it <laughs> turned out he was wrong. 
Completely wrong. All the polls were exactly the way they, they, they showed it to be. I will tell you this, though. Given the 90-10-90-10 attitude toward impeachment and removal in the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, yeah. I, I think maybe on this one you really need very, very proportional uh, polling. Yeah, just because of the nature of the question. Uh, I don't know. You know, they, they they claim they got their methodology right, but I find that to be a shocking number. So did most people, and Ooh. that's why people reacted to it. That's why it got so much attention. And anytime you have a really shocking number, you gotta you gotta wonder. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this: if indeed the truth is the second set of numbers I gave you, it's tied at roughly forty five percent. That's that's rough news for the president. That half the country wants you removed. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that that's not something to get super excited about. Yeah. Now, trend lines don't always continue in the direction they're trending. Ask Kamala Harris. <laughs> uh, so we'll just have to wait and see how it develops. I, uh, As I've said many times, there's a lot of America that hears everybody on the news they take in. Telling them that this is it's oh it's 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 a runaway freight train. There's no stopping it. The president's a dirty deal, and what he did uh, with that Ukraine call was clearly affecting our national security. Blah blah blah. And they believe that the same way. If somebody came to you and said, "Oh man, you got to see this movie. It's fantastic." And then the more you hear about it, the, you realize that person has crappy taste. I'm not seeing that. Um, a lot of people, the more they learn, the less they'll like impeachment. In my opinion. Um, but we shall see. By the way, something, there is a debate tomorrow night, and there's a couple reasons why it might be a little bit interesting, <laughs> as these debates tend to have almost no effect, and that is almost always the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are very few examples of debates having any lasting effect on races, so uh, keep that in mind as, as people try to tell you this is a big deal. But um, Bernie's health, can he stand up for three hours? Uh, there's some belief that now that Elizabeth is at the top of the polls, people will be gunning for her, and she has not faced much uh, incoming. Right. And Why would you bother attacking the fourth-place person? Well, and, now she's number one, arguably. And Joe Biden said over the weekend that he thinks he has been uh, uh, too um, hesitant to respond to attacks and that he is going to fix that. Oh, good. You know, if he remembers good. that he said that, come tomorrow night, we'll oh, see, boy. but... Easy is that? What are you, Julian Castro over there? Oh, I loved the Julian Castro from Saturday Night Live. Yes, with um, Manuel Lynn Marinda, who I don't need to see ever again <laughs> in my life. Manuel Lynn Marinda. Ask for is. him by name. Whatever his name is, one just, of the greatest artists in America. I just I don't need to see him again in my life. I've yeah, had my lifetime oh my dose of him. Not not oh. his fault, but just he became such a big deal with Hamilton. It's just he's he's everywhere all the time. But his Julian Castro was pretty funny when he came out and he said. I'm not gay, and I apologize for that, which I which I found hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty that was a pretty good skit, honestly. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, he was on the stage last night. I I would imagine he's going to be a little quiet since last time he took the big swing and it uh, practically did him in. So. Oh yeah, well he and the rest of the third tierers, what are they doing? Well, here's a question for you. Tulsi Gabbard, who might be fourth tier, um, she's she's one First of those tier cutie. Many of these people are between zero and one percent. I mean, Oof. they're just they're just they're the difference between them and me is is it's hard, within the margin of error. Right, it's hardly measurable. Right, you can put me up there. Who's that guy? Why is he there? Well, he's got as much support as these four people. Right. Um, she has threatened to boycott the debate, 
saying that it's something unfair about they're trying to keep voices out or anything like that. If you're down at the bottom, does that do you any good? I think people just say, okay, fine, boycott if you want. And you never hear from her again. Whereas if you're on the stage, at least you've got a puncher's chance, as they say, of swinging for the fences and making a dent, even though that has never happened. Everybody in the media will act like that's a possibility. Right. It's not like the you know the playoff game last night where you can swing for the fences and something might happen. It's never happened. Nobody's had the big moment and come from nowhere and add debate to all of a sudden get the nomination or be president. Never ever has happened. So quit acting. All you people on cable news, quit acting like that's a thing. First debate, it's conceivable that could happen. Third, forget it. We've seen these people. Everybody's seen these people. Here's something to root for. Here's what I'm rooting for. The attacks on Liz Warren land because her policies are ridiculous. What if Bernie's attack is the clip we've been playing where he says, she says she's a capitalist to her bones. Right. I am not. Your attack is going to be she's a capitalist? Oh, man. Holy I, crap. That's going to get in the way of what I'm rooting for. I'm hoping the less Looney Tunes candidates attack her for being out of touch, unrealistic, promising things Santa Claus couldn't deliver, much less the federal government. So she's comes he's, off he's as going... an unrealistic academic. Wait a, wait now. And, and, none, and Joe Biden attempts to show how dynamic and robust he is and comes off like a doddering Puts old Puts a chain fool. around her head. Like, no, no, corn pop, no. <laughs> and he comes off as a doddering old halfwit like he always does, which leaves, said, Hey, Esther. Which, which, <laughs> Esther, which leaves them with no front runner, just a bunch of stumbling horses. <laughs> That's what I'm rooting for. So, yeah, so that would make sense. A bunch of candidates, if Joe Biden can you know, get his thoughts together, he should attack her on, you're living in la-la land. Plus, we're never going to have a candidate that beats Trump that's for all these things, and he laundry lists them if he can. But Bernie's going to attack her from the left. Yes. You're not far enough to the left. That is oh so God. good for her. Yeah. She may get together with him and say, hey, do me a favor. Come after me hard, would you? Say I'm not a commie enough for you. Oh, I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> Oh, oh man, wow. that would that would oh that'd be ironic. So we got this story: um, a, a mom who's trying to get enough people to sign a petition or whatever, so that boys can't participate in girls' sports, which is currently happening. I feel like I'm a girl. I was born a girl, and then you go run track and set and the state record. Everybody's ass. Yeah, more on that coming it up. Makes a difference. Pretty interesting, That's right, sir? <laughs> on the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Armstrong and Getty Show. As a Democrat, I want to apologize for not being gay. (laughs) But I promise to do better in the future. (laughs) However, I am Latino, which we can all agree is something. (laughs) Look, I'm young, I'm diverse, I'm Latino Obama. So let's get that hashtag going, Latino Obama, please. Latino Obama. So he's done. You know when you're really done as a candidate? They didn't even have a person play Kamala Harris. Not even Oof. worth making Lampooning. fun of her. Yes. Because she's not that big a deal on she's Saturday She's an embarrassment. Go away. Stop it. Oh, um, yeah. there, there are a number of major stories to update you on. Later this hour, we'll be updating you on Syria, Kurds, that whole thing, Turkey. 
Obviously, impeachment's going on in the background. Actual movement toward impeaching a president. President Xi of China yesterday promised crushed bodies and shattered bones. The president of China talking about the protesters. Oh. Crushed bodies and shattered bones. Oh, that's strong. Yeah, I'd say. Wow, that's a different culture. Uh, Did you hear letter. the other thing the Chinese said? After the president announced or the administration announced that the, we had a tentative agreement going forward, blah, 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 they said, well, there's a lot of work to do before that's all official. So, misunderstanding, premature optimism on our side, them doing what they do, which is, all right, then, that <laughs> super shake hands, then the next day say, eh, we're not sure. Who knows? Um, They're communist dictators. If you got a girl athlete, you might be aware of this going on. I was talking to somebody the other day who's involved in college uh, female track and said, yeah, it's a huge problem, the trans athlete thing. And I didn't know that. I didn't know it was happening a lot, but apparently it is happening a lot. So, so far, 30,000 Americans have signed the hashtag fair play petition that is out there. That's not enough. More people need to sign that. Oh, yeah. It's got to be hundreds. It's got to be millions. Justice for trans athletes is unfair to girls like my daughter. An opinion piece in the New York Post over the weekend. Men are stronger than women. Boys are faster than girls. An influx of hormones doesn't undo these realities. Study after study has reaffirmed this basic fact about what it means to be human. My daughter, Alana, now a sophomore, is a rising star in our home state of Connecticut. As a freshman, she led her high school team to its third straight team championship in the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference by winning the 100-meter, 200-meter, and 400-meter in one of the most dominant individual performances in meet history. So her daughter's a super stud track athlete. It was an integral part, uh, integral component in the team's first, play finish, first place finish in the state open and in smashing a pair of records at the New England Championships in Maine. Since 2017, our state's high school athletic conference has allowed biological boys to compete against girls. Idiotic. It's enough that they subjectively identify as female. Since then, two biological boys have won 15 women's track championships, titles held by nine different girls in 2016. Two boys now hold all those titles. Wow, dominant performance by those gals. Not only that, the same two biological boys have taken away more than 50 chances for girls to compete at the next level of competition, running these girls right off the track and forcing them to be spectators in their own sport. Boy, so what do colleges do now when they're trying to recruit female athletes? Well, they recruit boys uh, who identify as girls or have to look at the second and third place runners from Connecticut. You got to have a different set of standards for Connecticut and any other Looney Tunes state that's followed their lead. As a parent, it's gut-wrenching to know that no matter how hard my daughter works to achieve her goals, she would lose athletic opportunities to a pernicious gender ideology. Left unchecked, this ideology will in the long run eliminate fair play for all biological females in all sports. As we're seeing in Connecticut, a biological boy's subjective sense of his gender doesn't cancel out his physical advantage over girls. God, the fact that you have to state that, really, it scares me a little bit. It's like having to, you know, you go to a neighborhood watch meeting and you spend half of it trying to convince people there aren't witches. You know, you're like, why am I having to say this? This is freaking me out just because a boy says I feel like a girl and I've done some hormones. That's not fair. 
No biological male should take those opportunities from my daughter, regardless of how he self-identifies. Redefining sex, in quotes, to mean, in quotes, gender identity, as our state's athletic conference has done, as what the ACLU is trying to do in an upcoming Supreme Court case, and as the so-called Equality Act in Congress would do, destroys female athletics. I didn't realize there was an Equality Act working its way through Congress. That's why Alana, that's her daughter, and a small but steadily growing number of courageous young women have stepped forward with hashtag fair play petition trying to get people to sign to try to battle back against it. And the mom says, this is not a battle I sought. I would rather the contest take place on the track. But when my daughter's dreams are at stake, I can no longer stay silent, and neither should you. Oh, it's outrage. It's outrageous, rather. It's insane. What what do you think the end game is in this whole, uh, what do you call that thing where you got all the different competing groups battling each other and it gets all oh, intersectionality. This whole yeah. intersectionality thing. How do you? Where do you think this ends? So, been battling for so many years to try to get you know female sports get treated the same way as male sports and everything like that. Now it's they're just going to disappear. Now you got men running in the women's sports and running rampant because your intersectional woke brethren and cistern and theys uh, <laughs> decided that was right. There is, uh, and we're running out of time, but there is a much greater willingness now for scientists, psychologists, transgender people, and others to speak out and say, a lot of this stuff we went overboard on, and, and we'll explain. What's next in your news, Marsha Phillips? Well, i got to tell you, the uh, chaos in Syria has just taken a very ominous turn. Oh, oh, good. And impeachment testimonies continuing while the Democrats gear up for their big debate. Coming up. Awesome. Happy Columbus Day. Hey, Indians, get, get. Oh, get, no. This is Come ours now. now. Get. Enjoy these lovely blankets we've brought for you. Oh, God. Don't let your TP flat pitch you on the way out the door. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> that is not politically correct, no. sir. That's what Columbus said. He landed at... Uh, is it really? At uh, Plymouth Rock or whatever. Exactly. I don't know my history. Just... Yeah, Manhattan. <laughs> get the news now with marcia phillips uh, i'll tell you this is taking a very ominous turn syrian and russian troops are now heading to the border to help the kurds repel advancing turkish forces so <laughs> so russia is now casting in with the kurds and fighting turkey yes who they just sold that weapon system to in defiance to nato making it look that Looked like Turkey was pivoting toward Russia, but now they're going to fight with the help of Syria. It, Kurdish troops have turned to the Syrian government in Russia as the U.S. forces move now, out of the region. Uh, has this been nailed down? Because I heard a report this morning on NPR, right, uh, where a guy on the ground there said there are a lot of rumors going around, and it's in the press that the Kurds have turned to Syria for help. Right. He said, but there's no indication of that here. It's just a rumor here because I've I've seen nothing to show that's actually happening. Well, that's been that's been uh, go, making the rounds for uh, gosh since late last night. Well, that was well, his now, point. That was his point that it's making the round in the news. But he said, I don't see anything on the ground that says. And that. now it's just come across that the uh, troops are actually heading to the border. Remember what the first casualty of war is, Marshall. Yeah. Oh yeah, truth. The, the truth. Yep. Mm. The fog of war. It is. Yep. You know, it could. It could. <laughs> It might take the history books five years from now or 50 years from now to figure out what is actually going on here. Yep. But that's that's part of Trump's point. And we're going we're gonna to talk to Mike Lyons next, say in about 10 minutes. 
I'll be interested to hear what he says as a you know a guy who studies military history right. the way he does. Part of Trump's point is you get this is all a mess of who's and who you helping out here, and if you help them next week, two weeks later they're bombing you, and just right. what, what are you trying to do here? There are four or right. five different players that we just identified in that little chat, uh-huh. and within each of those groups there are subgroups yes. and factions and the rest of it. So. And there's not one Kurds, as Mike Lyons pointed out right. last time we had him on. That's what I just said. I think. Yeah. Isn't that oh, what I just said? Is that what you just said? That's what I just said. I guess I was thinking. Meanwhile, there are reports that hundreds of ISIS supporters that were being held by the Kurds have now escaped amid all the fighting, and analysts are predicting a resurgence of ISIS being very likely. One of them, former Defense Secretary Jim Mattis, who over the weekend told uh, Meet the Press, ISIS is not defeated. We have got to keep the pressure on ISIS so they don't recover. We may want a war over. We may even declare it over. Uh, You can pull your troops out, as President Obama learned the hard way, Mm -hmm. uh, out of Iraq. But the enemy gets a vote, we say, in the military. And in this case, if we don't keep the pressure on, then ISIS will resurge. It's, it's absolutely uh, a given that they will come back. I get that, but just that's a recipe for it is a recipe for endless war. Mm-hmm. You're going to fight yep. forever to yep. keep Al Qaeda and ISIS from ever coming back. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that a thing? Can we do that? That's, that's the modern world, Jack. What are you going to do? Let them uh, win? Start beheading people again, throwing uh, folks off towers. If as long as they aren't our people, it's your neighborhood. They are our people. They were our people, and then they'll they'll attack us where we you know where we don't want them to. I don't know. It's it's an ideology. The ideology has not gone away. Got to be there to check them. Meanwhile, you want to, and we're the only ones that can do anything about that. Well, that's a different. There's been a hell of a lot more attacks in France and Germany and various European countries than there have been here. And they're they're why don't they do something about it? Jack, if a baby is falling from the window, are you going to catch it, or are you going to say, am I the only one who's going to catch that baby? You're going to catch it. You're going to do the right thing. And pressure our wussy, limp, Richarded allies to do something to help once in a while. Meanwhile, President Trump's former White House advisor on Russia is answering questions behind closed doors today in the House impeachment inquiry. Uh, Fiorina Hill stepped down from her role just days before Trump's July phone call with the Ukrainian president. The House launching the impeachment inquiry after learning Trump supposedly asked the Ukrainian president to investigate former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter. And then Trump's EU ambassador, Gordon Sondland, is set to appear Thursday to further testify about the matter. Sunlin is expected to uh, tell Congress his text message assuring uh, another envoy that there was no quid pro quo in their interactions with Ukraine had been based solely on what he was told by the president who denies anything wrong. Although he does say, I don't understand the reporting on this yeah. story. So the, the guy that um, he gets a text, he doesn't text back for two hours. We now know he goes and talks to or has a, uh, a five minute phone call. With President Trump. And President Trump says, tell him there's no quid pro quo. So then he uh, texts back, um, the president has been very clear about this, no quid pro quo. Now, a lot of people are reading that as uh, Trump knew somebody was on to him or something like that. But this guy says, I believed Trump was sincere at the time. So where's the scandal? He stated that which you think is right, that there should be no quid pro quo from the anti-Trump point of view. Yeah, he said, no, 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 we would not do that. So that's a scandal? 
And he says, I believe the president was being sincere when he told me that. All right. Well, then he's either telling the truth, so that's the world you want, or he's a liar. And we'll deal with that when we find out that to be true. Meanwhile, we got 12 Democratic presidential candidates going to be standing on the debate stage tomorrow night. Getting 12. ready. Oh, I wish it could be more. You're not good at winnowing, as Sean always says. <laughs> You've ended up with more people on stage. Yes. This is not the way it's supposed to work. <laughs> no so winnowing. next debate, by the time you get to uh, Iowa in January, you'll have a debate with, the, with the, all 28 back right. up on stage. Swalwell will be back in. And <laughs> Even those who've dropped out will rejoin. McGriff yes. and Johnson. Oh, oh Hanahan. <laughs> As we want to point out once again, today is Christopher Columbus Day here in America. A proud day. And national holidays celebrating the Italian explorer's discovery of, fill in the blank, America? The Bahamas. Yes, pretty much the Bahamas. There have been civilizations here for tens of thousands of years. And I bring this up again because I often get caught in these days. You know, you're thinking, oh, yeah, okay. And then you go to the bank or you go to the post office. You try and do some other business. You realize everything's closed. All the government offices are closed. The banks are closed. No mail. So anyway, heads well, up. Keep in mind, that. the stock market is open, but the bond market is closed. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Hey, hey, Michael, you got the buzzer handy? Uh, honey, I'm off to sell some stocks so we can buy some bonds. Anybody thinking that is just out of luck on this Columbus Day? Well, I'll tell you what, I took in a fair amount of news over the weekend, and there, there's really nobody but Rand Paul that's got the president's back on this maneuver in, uh, in Syria and Turkey and the whole thing. I, uh, I don't. I'm not saying it's the wrong move, but as I indicated earlier, there's there's a question of how and when you do something. And I just, uh, I, given our uh, association with the Kurds and working together and the rest of it. They I, weren't there in World War II. All right. Uh, I get how there are uh, factions of the Kurdish people who are... Uh, considered terrorists by Turkey, and they've got an extremely uncomfortable border and a long, long history of animos- right. uh, animosity. That sounds like a, an international conference needs to happen. A buffer zone, an agreement is made. Um, NATO should do that. On the other hand, as you pointed out, Turkey didn't say, hey, would you do us a favor and go so we can uh, invade? They said, we're invading. You do what you want. Which is a very different situation when you got fifty Americans uh, who are holding some little village. Yeah, if you don't follow the timeline in that, we'll explain that with Mike Lyons, military strategist, coming up next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. But these Kurds don't actually get along with the Syrian Kurds so well, and many of the Syrian Kurds have been trying to break off 
part of Turkey into an independent country. It's been going on for really close to 100 years. Many of the Kurds in Syria actually were expelled or exiled from yeah. Turkey back in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. So there's this long history, and the question we have to ask is, and I have to ask, am I going to send the sons and daughters of American yeah. mothers and fathers, am I going to send them there to die to try to figure out how the Kurds and the Turks can get along? And I don't see that in our national interest. Yeah. And we should vote on it. We should vote on it in Congress and declare war if that's what people want. Well, I'd like to... I'd like to see Congress having some stake in any of these, but that's Rand Paul, one of the, like, two voices out there politically, right or left, that back the way the president's handled this whole situation. And I wanted to point out again, the Secretary of Defense was on uh, one of the shows yesterday saying, look, everybody's got it backwards. President Trump didn't say, we're getting out, and Turkey thought, oh, cool, we can invade. Turkey announced, we're invading, period. Just letting you know, we're coming in. And Trump decided to get out of the way with our 50 troops as opposed to stay there and dare him or let them die or whatever else. That's a that's a tough call. Mike Lyons, military analyst for CBS News, frequent guest on the Armstrong and Getty Show, for which we're grateful. Mike, how are you, sir? Good morning, guys. Great to be back with you. Uh, anything in the introduction to this uh, segment that uh, you object to, that you disagree with? No, spot on. It's exactly right. Uh, Turkey was coming, um, and the president decided to take our 50 tripwire troops. This is really what they were doing. Um, I know the media has painted them as being close to the Kurds and you know, emotionally distraught because they had to leave the area there. But the president's got to make big decisions that are strategic for the country. And um, you know, the, the, the premise of how those troops got put there in the first place under the Obama administration and the violation of you know, the Powell Doctrine of how we're going to get them out of there at some point um, and I'm sure they reported it to Congress. So Congress is all in and keeping troops there. They weren't all in and making a vote uh, to send them there. And that seems to be where the, the media and where I think that the sentiment's going right now. So I think the president, as it's turned out, has done the right things. There's been some challenges across the way, um, and there's been some hysterics, but um, it's more of a political issue. And we'll find out in nine months whether or not if ISIS reconstitutes and, and whoever the president's uh, running uh, against will use it, obviously, to hit him over the head with it. But that, that's really the issue right now. It's more of a political issue to me. If I was more of an optimist and internationalist and U.N. fan, I'd say, well, listen, Turkey and the, and the Kurds have this incredibly hostile relationship, but the Kurds are a hell of a population. They have no homeland. This calls for an international conference to set aside a little turf for them. What would you say to that? Uh, that Turkey would not go along with that. Um, th- this is also about us supporting a true ally, which is Turkey, a NATO ally, one that we've done, you know, by the Senate approval and, and the whole thing. Uh, that's been tried. And that, that what Rand Paul was saying about 100 years ago, this problem was supposed to be solved after the First World War, and it wasn't. And there's a large population, 18 percent, I believe, of the Turkish population that's Kurd. So they consider them the biggest threat to what's going on. So, I, I, again, th- there's no country that's going to give up land in order for the Kurds to have a homeland. It's going to have to take some seminal event in order for that to happen. So I don't want to put you in an uncomfortable position here, but you, you, I'm sure you realize you're, you're a minority opinion. Maybe you're not among your friends. I don't have any idea. But of everybody I'm hearing on the news, including former Secretary of Defense Mattis, who uh, it seems would disagree you with you a great deal. What, 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 what's going on there? Why do you, why such a different point of view? Well, I think it's got a lot to do with this, this, cult, this concept of we're abandoning our friends. We're abandoning our ally. We fought alongside the Kurds. It's kind of the romantic side of this, which again, I get, 
But we have to make a strategic decision as to what's the best interest of the country looking over the horizon. And uh, how 50 soldiers are preventing the civil war from taking place between Turkey and the Kurds that are there is, to me, it could go south very quickly. Like like uh, he said, the, the Turks could decide to invade tomorrow. And now we have American casualties. Now we have Americans fighting the Turks. I mean, that, that, that was the whole issue for them being there in the first place. We knew that when we aligned with the PKK, that Turkey was mad about it a few years ago. You could say this is why Turkey's been acting out for the past three years, aligning themselves closer with Russia on a couple of different things. But we all want to blame Erdogan. We just want to blame, you know, the boogeyman here. But, but in fact, you know, we've got to take into account, you know, what, what actually is the situation on the ground. So I, I, I do think that it's not good that we've aligned ourselves with these people, but we should have figured this out a long time ago, an exit strategy. And, and it's not necessarily the best one right now, but it's the one we have. You realize if you were a regular on Fox, you'd be Trump's Secretary of Defense by the end of the day? <laughs> yeah. No, again, I, I, I get the whole thing. You know, I'm, I'm listening, I have this uh, show this morning when somebody was telling me, Mike, there were two people having dinner together and Kurt and um, special operators, and they were, you know, they were you know, really distraught over this. I'm like, I get it. But those special operators are unbelievable people, but they're not looking strategically at this. You know, just, just a couple, you know, one or two people on the ground doesn't make a difference when we're thinking strategically, again, over the horizon. And that's where this other side of the story has got to be projected. Here, here's, the, here's the alternative. If someone says they want to align with the Kurds, okay, are you willing to go to war against Turkey? Because that's really what it's going to take. If you, if you want to be close to the Kurds and want to make them an ally, fine. Then guess what? We have to declare war against Turkey. You want to do that? Wow. The alternative to that point of view would be that our presence there will keep the two combatants apart and we can talk and calm everybody down, but I don't believe well, that. Well, Turkey said they were going no matter what. Would well, right, that, yeah. Would, right. would, would, yeah. would so, we have, yeah, we would have been in a situation where hoping we could have scared them off. But we're, it, yeah, we're not going to go to war with a NATO ally. So uh, just long story short, then, it is such a, a, a swirling cauldron of uh, hatreds and animosities and disputes that unless we have a specific mission with a exit plan, we just we can't be there or shouldn't be there. Yeah, I, I sort of I believe I, you know, the, the the Weinberger doctrine, the Powell doctrine, whatever you want to do. When when the Obama administration figured out they were going to send troops to Syria, you know, a country we hadn't declared war with, they're going to go inside that country to fight ISIS alongside a sworn enemy of one of our allies. They should have figured out how are we going to get them out of there at some point, and they didn't. They just threw that they threw that over the over the transom and said somebody else will figure that out. Mike Lyons, military analyst for CBS. Uh, Mike, thanks a million. Great. Really interesting. Great guy. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Yeah. I was thinking of this book I read several years ago. It was really good uh, called Ike's Bluff. Um, and uh, and Eisenhower uh, constantly said in this book, and it was a bunch of stuff going on in the Middle East, and he wanted to stay out of it. And he said, we're not going to get involved in these brush fire wars around the world. And I, I wish he was uh, you know alive to ask, would he consider this a brush fire war or would he see a greater you know tectonic plates? you got to be involved. I don't know. Um there, there are issues where, like, I'm certain I'm right, and I'm willing to scream loud on talk radio about, you know, sure. welfare state and stuff like that. Boys running and girls track meets. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, stuff like that. <clears throat> and um, I don't, you know, I, I remember when the, the the war in Iraq started. I said I was for it. I'm fifty one forty nine though. <laughs> I mean, it's mm. not like I'm a, I'm a, a wholehearted uh, defense of the strategy. I don't know necessarily what's right here, but I'm I lean toward let's get out and see what happens. We've tried all kinds of being involved. Right, right. 
I tell you what, the whole Cold War era, the domino theory that's mocked by uh, way left academics, which is most academics, the idea that we had to oppose the Soviet Union in these various uh, little countries around the world, otherwise communism would sweep across the globe. That There was a real legitimate concern there. The idea of some northern one-third of Syria will fall under the sway of Russia, Vladimir Putin's kleptocracy for a while. Enjoy it. Have uh, a good that, time. It doesn't really concern me that much. Well, what about Iran? They'll uh, exert their... Uh, Especially in the point, in Obama's point, this is why I think I've got some credibility on this. I've been, I've been saying this long... This isn't backing Trump. I've been saying get out of these places for a long, long, long time. Not that my opinion matters, but... The Obama pivot was about China is it. It is, it is the big giant. This is the future of what America's going to be. Our or relationship with China. Face. Yeah. Yeah. And, and getting bogged down in the Middle East that we're originally bogged down there because of oil stuff. That doesn't matter anymore. So when ISIS uh, rears its ugly head again and takes over territory and starts beheading journalists or whatever, then we just uh, bomb the hell out of them and. Go about our business. I guess. I yeah, know. I guess so too. Well, and again, this is one of the enduring themes of the Armstrong and Getty show that you don't get elsewhere in the media. Uh, anybody with a, uh, a chronic skin condition or arthritis or whatever understands this. There are some problems you don't cure. You can't cure them. You manage them. And I think the Middle East is one of those. These centuries You're not old. Gonna fix it. These centuries old battles. And we decide we're going to get involved and fix them somehow. Yeah, there's this romantic notion that America can fix anything. Yeah, it's not true. Not necessarily true. The costs are way too high. But Mike Lines, it is, he is a minority opinion. That's not what hardly anybody else is thinking.